Uh, before we begin this episode, uh, as a podcast, we, we need to tell you that this episode deals with violence of a sexual nature. Uh, viewer discretion is advised. We didn't want anyone to go into here blind on this one. And welcome to Navi Tales. Hello. I'm Josh. I am Nick. And today we are dealing with Outlast 2. Ever play it? Uh, no. Um, I didn't play the first one either, but I mentioned that. I bought Outlast 2 on release. I really liked Outlast 2. Um, mostly because I really like Jim Jones. Uh, if you don't know who Jim Jones was, he was a cult leader who uh, caused his entire cult to commit suicide. It's all his fault. That's the what cult leaders do. They uh, make other people do things they want. Anyway, he was a monster of a human being, and I'm obsessed with him. And uh, this entire game is based on him, kind of. Um, so, starting after the events at the Mount Massive Asylum, uh, we play as Blake, a cameraman to his journalist wife, Lynn. Before the game starts, the two are going after a story in the canyons of Arizona involving a woman only known as Jane Doe. Jane Doe was found on the side of the road, eight months pregnant, but proceeded to commit suicide in the hospital she was brought to. The game starts with a dream that Blake is having of someone calling out to him, followed by screaming. After waking up on a helicopter, his wife asks if he is okay because he was screaming in his sleep. The helicopter is the only way to get out of the area of Arizona to investigate what exactly is going on there. They talk about Jessica Gray, the little girl that they grew up with, and also who Blake was dreaming about before a bright flash happens in front of the helicopter. This causes the helicopter to spin out and crash into the desert below. When Blake wakes up, he's at his old elementary school, a Catholic grade school named St. Sybil. Blake follows a mysterious man until he reaches a set of doors, which then slam on him. As he turns around, he sees a young girl, and behind the girl is a large rush of blood that was very, very obviously inspired by The Shining. Uh, suddenly, Blake wakes up from the crash. Freeing himself from the wreckage, he's able to traverse the canyons to get himself to the main body of the helicopter, where he finds the pilot skinned and nailed to a cross. Moving forward, he discovers a small backwoods town. Seemingly deserted, he starts to make his way through it, only to discover the townsfolk on the outside of the light the town makes, seemingly avoiding him. The town is littered with dead livestock, festering and rotting. Soon he ends up in an area that is used as a mass grave for the bodies of dead infants. Leaving this area, he hears a woman speaking cryptically and insanely to herself named Marta, who is the enforcer for the cult that has taken up residence here. However, he is barely, barely able to avoid her. While moving forward, Blake is hit by another flash of light and the sound of horns that disorients the townsfolk chasing after him. Stumbling on, Blake eventually discovers a church where he hears the cult leader, Father Noth, telling Lynn his uh, theology and Lynn trying to reason with him to no avail. After Blake finds Lynn, it is discovered that she, her baby, and the yokemate um, or husband must be killed for Lynn's baby is the Antichrist. Blake is confused as uh, he had no idea Lynn was pregnant and he wants to talk about whatever happened, uh, but Lynn doesn't want to. Lynn is in great pain and they momentarily pause. Uh, Blake is very concerned for his wife, but then the cultists unfortunately catch up to them. 
Amidst both of them struggling, another group of people come around and kill the cultists. This group is the Heretics, a group that is wanting the Antichrist to be born. Led by the sexually ambiguous and lustful Val, the group kidnapped Lynn, leaving Blake to go find them. Blake is now very wounded, having a head wound that makes him see double. Blake ends up collapsing. However, as he was passing out, he was approached by a man named Ethan. Ethan was neither a heretic or a member of the church. Ethan was excommunicated by the cult because he wouldn't let his daughter be raped by Noth. Noth still took advantage of his power, and that ended up being the girl found on the side of the highway that caused Blake and Lynn to go there to begin with. Ethan, obviously wanting to know if his daughter was still alive, asks Blake since he knows, but Blake lies to him and tells him that she's still alive. Ethan lets Blake hide under the root cellar of his house, and Blake falls asleep. He dreams of Jessica. Blake awakens and hears Marta brutally interrogating Ethan for answers. Ethan denies knowing where Blake is, so Marta impales him and leaves. Blake hopes he found his daughter and thanks him for not revealing him. Blake then runs through the temple gate. He picks up documents about the town and is seemingly losing his sanity. After some chases, Blake comes into a church. There is a man there, Josiah. Josiah's eyes have been gouged out and his chest has the words Judas carved into it. Josiah begs Blake to kill him so the cult won't have a reason to torture his wife, Mary. Uh, Yet Blake hides in the confessional upon hearing someone coming. Noth then brings Mary, who is barely dressed, and proceeds to have his men torture her on a rack. Josiah reluctantly reveals that Lynn was taken to the mines by Val. After that, he and Mary are both brutally killed. Blake, seeing an opportunity, comes out of the confessional. Still being chased by the cultists, Blake now knows exactly where he has to go to find Lynn. During his way there, he's attacked by more cultists and by Marta. As Blake is crossing a bridge, he's attacked by a horde of locusts that causes him to fall down and now has to go the long way into the mines. So now's a good time to talk about Blake's hallucinations. Now it's questionable if they are real uh, hallucinations, but they take place in the school that was in the dream sequence at the beginning of the game. Blake goes back to his childhood when he was in the fourth grade and friends with Lynn and Jessica. Blake had found Jessica uh, had hanged herself. Uh, Jessica had a suicide note where she said Blake um, should, love, should have loved her. In these parts, there is a strange monster or demon chasing after Blake with a pulsating tongue around the school. Death is immediate by this demon who proceeds to rip Blake's throat out uh, or gut uh, with its protruding tongue. There's also a man's voice who Jessica warns Blake against in the school. The long way to the mines takes him through a camp where the Skald live. The Skald are diseased and deformed villagers who are a direct result of the sexual practices of the cult. Burdened with gonorrhea, syphilis, and the deformities of incest, they are rejected by that society and have created their own. In one earlier note of the game, which Blake finds in the town's central square, it is hinted that Noth has syphilis. Noth sends two men, Paul and Simeon, to get medications from the outside world. These excursions are not necessarily for medication, but also supplies like gas, which the cultists themselves can't make. However, Noth has lied to these men, saying his medications are just studying aids. When Paul relays this to their supplier, the young man laughs and states that the only thing Noth must have been studying is the gash, which is a bit crude. (laughs) Um, Paul is afraid to question Noth himself directly as any opposition leads to either torture or death. 
Noth and the others indiscriminately have sex with many women, leading to the spreading of STDs. However, Noth has medications for his syphilis, which he does not share with the others. The people who manifest these sicknesses, uh, as in horrible sores and gradual decomposition of flesh, are sent to a secluded part of the forest. They are told to wait salvation. Noth has told Skeld that it isn't a sickness of the flesh, but of the soul that's manifesting on the flesh. Uh, however, not everyone there believes it, and anyone who tries to escape this camp is usually killed by its de facto leaders, Larid and Nick. <laughs> no, not me. <laughs> no, no, not you. Not me. I'm not, I'm not out there killing the, the, uh, the sick ones. You don't got a little bit of syphilis. I'm gonna go killing the syphilis. Laird is a very small, deformed man who is a deacon of, in Noth's cult and is in charge of the Scald for Noth. Nick is a very large but silent man who serves as a mount for Laird. Uh, with a mutiny just about to break out amongst the Scald, the pair captures Blake. Laird refers to Blake as the Messiah and crucifies him almost immediately after he gained consciousness. Laird begins going through the steps of Christ's crucifixion, believing he needs to be buried to be resurrected. He also takes Blake's camera, believing that the new Messiah would use this for his new gospel. Eventually, Blake is able to pull the nails out of his hands and get down, but Laird was able to notice and chase him through the surrounding woods. Blake gets his camera back, but in the following pursuit is captured by Laird and Nick, saying that they need to finish the gospel they then bury him alive. Blake ends up unburying himself and escaping again, uh, eventually finding a way down into the mines. Uh, Blake ends up needing a rope to climb down, but is cornered by Lard and Nick once again. However, the Scald pushed them down the mine shaft, killing them both. Blake keeps on moving uh, to the mines. He must cross a lake to do so, however. Though the lake is filled with dead people and people killing themselves. In fact, cultist documents reveal that getting close to the mines actually disorients people and makes them see visions that are disturbingly sexual and violent. It is in one corner of the lake that Blake can find a very important document which gives an idea of what is happening. The author of the note calls the cultist subjects and has casually made bets with colleagues such as Jenny Rowland, uh, Jennifer Rowland from Outlast, uh, on how the subjects will react and to re uh, certain radio frequencies. However, the author also seems to be affected by the radio frequencies themselves. It is severely implied that the Murkoff Corporation is behind what is happening at Temple Gate. Using a raft to get across the river, Blake ends up getting hit by another wave of light that brought a tide with it. The demon from his hallucinations in the elementary school shows up in the water with him, trying to drown him. Escaping from that and another school segment, he ends up outside where it is literally raining blood. After being chased by heretics, he ends up finding an elevator into the mines where he finally gets down there. In the mines, Blake is eventually captured by Val. She is wearing a crown of thorns, naked and covered in mud. While trying to molest Blake, a cave-in occurs which separates them, although Val is on the hunt for him still. He escapes her for a bit, but several heretics capture and drug him. When he wakes up, he sees a very pregnant Lynn tied up and surrounded by a literal orgy of heretics. Val then straddles Blake, where it is implied he is sexually assaulted. During this traumatic episode, players finally go back to Blake's past. 
He seems to be pinned down by Jessica. It is hinted that Jessica wants to kiss him, but Blake doesn't really want to. So she gets off and just wants to hang out with him at his house. They are found by Father Loudermilch. Loudermilch then makes Jessica and Blake come into a class and interrogates them and if they were doing something wrong. Jessica pleads Blake to stay, which makes Loudermilch more suspicious, and he keeps on shaming Jessica and Blake. Though Blake tries to explain that he was not necessarily being flirty or romantic with Jessica, Loudermilch shames him and tells him to go home, albeit Jessica telling him to stay. When Blake does try to go home, he hears Jessica scream. He sees Loudermilch chase a running Jessica who is screaming and telling him to leave her alone. Blake runs after them, hoping to help Jessica. Blake soon comes to a door that he opens to see a battered and bruised Jessica near a stairway. Loudermilch says that this is not what it looks like. It is implied that Loudermilch has physically and sexually assaulted Jessica and in a tussle pushed her off the stairway. Throughout the game, Loudermilch's voice sometimes appears as a way to keep Blake silent of what he saw. Loudermilch has framed Jessica's death as a suicide as a way to escape culpability. It is also implied that the demon who chases Blake is a mutilated and ghastly version of Loudermilch. When Blake finally wakes up, he sees that the cultists attack the heretics. Through the fray, he finally reunites with Lynn, who is about to give birth. Not understanding how this is possible, he still says he'll protect her and the child. Lynn calls the child his, although he has stated that they haven't had sex in months. When they finally get outside, the sun seems massive, and as though it is about to explode as a storm rages. Morning is coming, and it seems like the world is ending all around them. As the pair keep moving to somewhere safe, they encounter Marta. Cornering them, Marta prepares to kill them, but is stopped as the storm knocks across from the top of the church loose and impales her. Blake and Lynn go into a church, and Lynn gives birth to a girl and then dies. Blake starts crying and cradles the newborn while passing out. It is hinted that the baby is not real. Gameplay footage shows no shadow, and when Blake tries to show Lynn her baby, she says there's nothing there. When he wakes up, he sees Noth, who chastises him for not killing the Antichrist off sooner. Noth does not understand why God is silent with him now, especially when he had perfect faith enough to kill his own children and his followers. Noth then says that though God does not listen to dead men, he hopes he answers them and slits his own throat. Blake gets out with the infant and sees the town is burned, as well as seeing hundreds of the cultists lying down dead. Cultists have committed suicide by drinking hydrogen peroxide and cyanide. As he keeps on walking, the sun grows immensely and engulfs him and the land around him. Blake then wakes up as a kid in his school and hears Jessica calling out to him. He finds her and he says she will never let him go as she knows he won't ever let her go. She kneels down in prayer and so does Blake. She starts saying a prayer as the game ends. So... Growing up with the background I've grown up with, this game has a lot of really powerful symbolism in it. Uh, I don't know how much I've really talked about it on the show, but my dad's a minister. Um, probably why I like cults so much. And uh, I know that you're not uh, a very religious person, Nick. Yes, that's true. But um, the symbolism of the white light and horn sounding every time it happens is very revelations. A lot of the things talked about in this, um, like the, the sun looking like it's about to explode, it literally raining blood, like all of this, like the locusts, 
Like it's all very, very revelation um kind of stuff. Revelation is the final book of the Bible. Uh it was a vision given to Paul of the end of the world. Um, so a lot of Christians and cults specifically point at Revelations going the end is nigh. Um like the fucking it's outrageous some of the shit that people come up with. Oh, I, I could just imagine. Like, um, a big one that was a big thing for a while was one of the things that it talks about in Revelations is the mark of the beast. How everyone will have this mark of the beast on them, and it'll be the only way to buy and sell. Mm-hmm. Super ambiguous shit. Uh, and um, a lot of people when barcodes started being a big thing thought barcodes were the mark of the beast. Because, I, remember, I remember shit about that. Yeah, because uh, you could only use that to buy and sell. Um, it's a lot more likely. It's probably gonna be credit cards. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. But no Christian has a problem with that. Um, it, it's one of those things where uh, Revelation is is very easily, very easily fits a lot of interpretations. Uh, when you want to look at the real historiography of it, it's probably just a commentary of the current monarchy. Probably. It was, it was probably just a person who was real mad because he wasn't allowed to express his feelings properly. Because uh, you got to remember, um, he wrote, uh, it was John, that's who wrote it. Um, uh, he was in prison at the time when he, had, when he wrote this. So it was probably him venting uh, and being snarky, but um, we, we always forget that, or Christians always forget that the Bible was written by people who had feelings and snark. So uh, we're not allowed to um, say that uh, maybe, maybe, the, maybe this is just someone being a dick. <laughs> <laughs> but um, a lot of uh, the literal symbolism is used in this. Um, again, the game's very questionable on how much of it is a reality and how much of it isn't, and it does a very good job kind of separating that. Like, were there really locusts that knocked him in, or did he just fall in? Right. Like, was there really a child or was there really not a child? Yeah. Because, and you have a hard time knowing that because Murkoff's involved. Like, they're literally driving people insane with sound waves. So you don't really know what's true and what isn't in this. So uh, I think that's why I liked Outlast 2 so much. It was a lot more ambiguous. Uh, plus, I love cults. I fucking love. So that's a plus. There, there's no secret there. I love cults, and specifically Jim Jones. And Father Noth is very inspired by Jim Jones. Like even how he looks. Like Jim Jones was this fat, ugly guy, and uh, Father Noth is a fat, ugly guy. Um, but yeah, and, and even and like how the cultists all killed themselves. Like it was punch bowls. Yeah, you drink the punch. Like they had punch bowls with uh, poison in it. Like that's that's how Jim Jones killed his cult um yeah. uh fun fact because i'm full of them you know how they say drink the kool-aid yeah um jim jones didn't have kool-aid it wasn't kool-aid they couldn't afford kool-aid he it had was hawaiian punch it was flavor aid is what it was called flavor aid it was, was flavor aid they and it's like dollar dollar store gatorade yeah because they couldn't afford anything else because they were on in a cult in an island in the mediterranean and had just killed people that's why he did it. He didn't do it because he thought that the end of the world was there. He just killed a senator who had come to see what the fuck this cult was doing. So he just killed a Chicago senator. Like, they'd murdered him on the runway. So, um, 
Yeah, he was killing his cult to uh, cover his own tracks. Um, Jim Jones was a monster. If you ever got the, and if you ever get the chance, I'm going to recommend another podcast, which we don't do a lot on this show, but it's a very big podcast. So uh, they're not going to get any publicity from me. Uh, they are last podcast on the left uh, did several episodes all on Jim Jones uh, and his cult. It is like four or six episodes, one or the other, uh, and each one's like an hour and a half long, but it's as in-depth a research into Jim Jones as I've ever seen, and they have a very good way of presenting it. So if you're at all interested in cults, check that out. Um, it's weird and fucked up, and I really also want HBO to do a Jim Jones series, like a, a biopic series on jim jones because it would be terrifying yeah probably because he was a terrifying human being even as a child he he's like was born to be a cult leader like he he used to have big big uh he used to kill animals and then have religious funeral ceremonies for the animals he killed good that's what you do where he'd invite kids in the neighborhood to be go to this funeral for this dog that he killed yeah because he was a fucking psychopath. He was born to be a cult leader. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, Father Noth was very based on that, but with much more of a religious spin. Jim Jones, although he was called a pastor or a reverend or whatever, he was definitely, by the time that like Jim Jones shit really kicked off, wasn't religious anymore and hadn't even said it. He was swearing up a storm in his last couple of days on the fucking... Thing. He didn't give a shit. He was on so many drugs. Like it was, he, he'd lost his religion long before that and he'd even admitted it. But uh, he'd still had a cult, but whatever. Um, so that was Outlast. It's violent and scary and really fucking good. I don't think a lot of games take the same liberties that Outlast has always taken as far as I'm concerned. Um, yeah, I'd say a so. lot of games don't have the kind of violence Outlast has. Like I've played a lot of horror games where I've I've seen the inside of Dead Space Marines um be ripped out. I've seen a lot of things, but like this is like true human horror. And that's why I think Outlast resonates more. Like even Resident Evil. Like Resident Evil Seven was fucking scary. Yeah. But like it was human scary. It wasn't human scary, it was supernatural scary. You yeah. were fighting like goop. You were fighting goop and people who had the T virus but like were weird. Yeah. They looked human, but they weren't zombie zombies. You know what I mean? Yeah. They like mutated. Yeah, they were mutated. These are like humans. And that's why I think Outlast sticks out because it's like true horror. Right. So um, I, I'm a huge fan of the franchise and I hope they keep making more. Although they don't make me happy, they are really interesting games. <laughs> okay, now that we got the sexual violence out of the way. Um... <laughs> <laughs> As we like to end every episode, Nick, what have you been playing? Actually, let's begin this. I know what you've been playing. We're friends outside of this fucking podcast. From this point on, we are probably going to be talking about spoilers for Spider-Man PS4. Well, okay, so real quick. So, we didn't record last week because I had a surgery. Oh, right. We didn't record last week because Nick is less of a man now. Yes. Uh, so, so we had a surgery so because I had surgery I was out of work for a while and because I was out of work for a while recovering I had a lot of time to play video games and also before you start 
guys, don't worry about Nick. He's fine. Yeah, he, fine. he just had a, a thing removed that was not killing him, just hurting him. Um, he he just wanted it removed so that he wasn't in pain anymore. He's absolutely fine. Yes. Um, except for your personality. Continue. Yes. <laughs> um. So yeah, I had plenty of time to play video games. So I played a lot of video games uh, while I was sitting on the couch recovering. And I played two in specifically. So the first one was I played a fuck ton of Hollow Knight. And holy shit, do I love this game. Yeah, I mean, this is your kind of game. So, like, so actually, we're, we'll, we'll tell you when we dive into the Spider-Man spoilers. Like, so. holy fucking shit, is this game great. Like, I, so I, I've talked about it before on the podcast because I picked it up. I've been waiting it forever to release on the Switch. It finally got released. I picked it up when it got released. And I played it a little bit. And then I kind of dropped it, and it's like one of those games where, like, once you drop it for a long period of time, it's hard to get back into because it's a lot of it's Metroidvania, so it's a lot of remembering uh, a lot of stuff and um, and getting used to like the combat and stuff. So I kind of dropped it for a bit, and then I tried to pick it back up like a couple weekends ago, and it has uh, the like kind of Souls mechanic of you die, you drop your currency. You go back to that spot to try and get it back. If you die before you get back to that spot, it's gone forever. So that happened to me, and I was like, all right, fuck this. <laughs> Trigger. Um, but right before the surgery, I picked it back up uh, again, and I got really into it. So I played it a shit ton and pretty much almost finished like the base game. I'm, getting re- I'm finishing stuff up and getting ready to dive into the DLC, and it's just fucking fantastic. Like, this game is so, first off, visually gorgeous. And, like, the world building and, like, just, like, the lore that's in it is fantastic. There's, uh, you have to, there's, like, so everything's insect-based, which I dig, like, yeah. the look of it. Um, so you, you can rescue, like, these little grubs, and they're always in, like, cage, like glass jars, almost. So you break the jar, and it, like, gets all happy and goes away. Well, there's a boss called the Collector, which, um... As you go up to his room, there's just jars of, like, enemies, like, typical enemies from the game, and they're, like, dead inside the jars, um, and then you go up to the, the room, and it's, you fight the collector, and it's just, like, pretty much, think of, he looks like father from Kids Next Door, but with, like, an extra hands, and, like, not a pipe. I'm in. And, like, just, the entire fight is just laughing maniacally, and jumping around, and then he'll jump to the ceiling and throw the jars down and like they'll break and like it'll spawn enemies and you have to kill those and it'll just that's the fight that's cool um but what i thought was really what i thought was a really nice touch well so this was like the lore reason why these bugs are in these jars like oh yeah it's st- always nice them. when a game kind of um but when you die in hollow knight you leave behind uh, a shadow of yourself and the shadow is what you have to kill to get your money back but when you die at this boss when you re when you go back to re-enter, there's a jar at the beginning, and it has your shadow in it. So you have to break the jar and then fight your shadow to get it back. Oh, that's I thought so that cool. was like a really nice touch because usually it's just sitting there wherever you died. Yeah. Uh, but this they put it in a jar, so it's just like little shit like that. It's just really dope. This game is fucking fantastic, and I will highly recommend everybody to play it. Um, the second game I played a fuck ton is Spider Man uh, for the PS4. Okay, so before we dive into Spider Man, I've been playing Darkest Dungeon. Um, again, I'm, I've decided I'm going to play this time on the hardest difficulty and I'm going to get a hundred percent. 
wow, this game's fucking hard. Yeah, dude. Dude, it's I not had, easy. Dude, I had like a full team wipe, and I had a pretty solid team. And I never have full team wipes because I've been playing Darkest Dungeon for a while. I had like a full team wipe, like of like I had a leper on my team. And if you know anything about Darkest Dungeons, lepers are fucking broken. Like lepers are insanely broken, insanely powerful. Full team wipe. I, on like the apprentice necromancer, which is like one of the first bosses in the game. It was like Wow. Okay. Sure. Yeah, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go grind. I like I, I guess I'm gonna go grind. So it's been really relaxing and really fun to play between the other game we're gonna talk about. So we are gonna talk about spoilers for Spider-Man PS4. Nick and I have both completed the game. We are both almost one hundred percent completed the game. Um and I haven't talked to Nick about it. Right. So if you haven't played it or have any desire to play it, go do it. First off, go play it. Go, go buy it. the special edition PS4 that comes with the Spider-Man PlayStation. You don't, you don't have to do that. You should go do that. And then go buy, because oh, it comes with Spider-Man. Um, it's fucking good. It's like one of the best games I've played in a while. But uh, I also haven't talked to Nick about anything related to it. Yeah, dude. Uh, also, if you like comic books at all, even, even though you're not a big Spider-Man fan, if you like comic books, this is comic books the game. It's so good. It's so fucking It good. plays like a comic book. It's amazing. Anyway. Now, let's dive into spoilers. I got real sad about Octavius. He was adorable. <laughs> but I think that's why it worked so well. It worked so well because, like, I really liked him as a character. And then he, if you know anything about Spider-Man, Doc, Doc Ock is Otto Octavius. Um, mm. And Otto Octavius is Spider-Man's, or Peter Parker's, like, uh... Boss? Mentor? Mentor? Science, science mentor? Science mentor. Like they're working together and he's great. He's like there for Peter. He's like trying to help Peter. He like low-key knows Peter's Spider-Man. Like because he sees him fixing the spider suit. And he's like, oh, I guess you make Spider-Man suits for him. That's really neat. But like low-key knows that Peter Parker's Spider-Man and is like, that's great. Yeah. And then like he has a degenerative brain disease he's trying to fix. Because eventually his body's not going to work. And that's the whole thing. He's going to be making... Uh, they're trying to make prosthesis. But Doc goes full in and basically creates the arms, which then fry his brain, so he goes mad. Yeah, and he's just pissed and at creates, Norm Norman Osborn. And creates the goddamn Sinister Six. Yeah. Um, which I am glad that that fight happened when it did. Yeah. The Sinister Six fight is perfectly placed in the game, in my opinion. It really is. Because you, it's like oh, a little bit over the halfway point. But it like leaves enough content so that you do have to go fight the entire Sinister Six in like separate boss battles. Like there, it's two on two each time, except for negative. Uh, so like you fight Electro and Vulture at the same time, like in the air the entire time though, which was really fun. And then you fight like Scorpion and Electro, which is really fun, or not Scorpion and Electro, Scorpion and Rhino, which is really fun. And then Negative, who's a giant demon. Um, just fucking dope. It's the story is a comic book, like like the with. The sections where you play, because because you play as two other characters in it. Yeah, you play as Peter Parker, Spider Man. Uh, you play as Mary Jane Parker, who is an investigative journalist in this, uh, who is trying to help Peter Parker, which I think is really cool. Great stealth sections, and you play as Miles Morales. Now, if you know anything about comic books, Miles Morales is the second Spider Man. <laughs> um, well, third, if you want to get real specific, Ben Riley was the second. Uh, let me just wipe off that nerve card real quick. <laughs> um. But, uh, yeah, he, 
like with the them being in uh, Osborne's secret room in his penthouse, where like she accidentally gets the spider on her that yeah. goes back to feast, and I'm like, oh shit, Miles is gonna get bit. Oh shit, Miles is gonna get built. And then like there's the ver- there's the scene in the in the post credits where like he's moving Peter Parker's helping Miles move into college, and he's like, I gotta show you something. Yeah, and then like there's a puberty joke there, but and then jumps onto the ceiling. And then Peters jumps onto the ceiling too and goes, it's not that weird. Yeah. I was just like, oh my God, this is the perfect ending point. This is adorable. And speaking of ending points, what do you think's up with uh, Harry? Yeah, why the fuck is he venomy? Yeah, he was very venomy. Unless they're going to make the symbiote come from the disease in Harry. Mm-hmm. Um, which is doable because like the, I believe the ultimate version of the symbiote was created by the Osbournes has a cure for cancer. Okay. Basically, the suit, you wear the suit on your body and it will suck the disease out of you. But it's alive, which is why it can suck the disease out of you. Like, it knows what to look for. It's intelligent. Yeah. So unless they're going that route, which is fine, I have no problem not having an alien symbiote. doesn't work in the wider universe, but it works well in just a standard Spider-Man universe because the Osborns are always doing weird shit. Um, it will, unless they're going that route, it doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah. Because Eddie Brock is confirmed to be in the game. If you look through the backpacks, there is a going away card for when Peter Parker left the Daily Bugle that is signed by Eddie Brock. He's one of the people that signed it. So, like, Eddie Brock's in this universe, and Eddie Brock is Venom. Right. So, yeah, there's no... It's strange. It is strange. Yeah, I thought that was a bit weird. Because it was, like, very Venomy. It was very Venomy, or they're taking a very strange liberty with the goblin design. Which I'm down with, too. Yeah. Because, like, the characters look fucking great in this game. No, they really did. They like, look fucking dope. Scorpion looked so good. Electro looked so good. They they all looked great. Um, Vulture was very inspired by Homecoming, you could tell. Yeah. Like, and, and that's fine. The Homecoming Vulture looked great. Yeah, he did. Um, but yeah, I, I think that all the characters looked so good in this game. And there, there's just so much. Like Tombstone, Tombstone looked great in this yeah, game. Tombstone and Tombstone's so such a deep cut Spider-Man villain. Like he's like so very '80s. So I'm glad that they changed him into like the leader of a biker gang. Because like I was like, okay, that makes a lot more sense. Even though yeah. biker game gangs are very '80s too. Yeah, uh, he was like an '80s hitman. Like, he was always wearing a suit and punching people in the face for the mob. Like, this works way better for Tombstone, I think. And the Taskmaster just showing up looking fucking cool. Yeah. Fucking dope-ass Taskmaster. But, uh... But, uh, fucking... I don't know. I Like, I was telling you, I, I feel like this game works really well because it gets all the big things right, but it also gets the small things right. Um, Just, like... Like, just Spider-Man's what he says and what he does in general like the entire beginning when you're trying to arrest Fisk and he's just calling him Willie oh yeah I was fucking dying the, like once you got the costume which we'll get the costumes in a minute but once you got the comic book costume where it gave you the power of quips oh have yeah you, have you been using them yeah it's fucking amazing it's fucking so Spider-Man it's great where you could just manually do quips. Right. Like, in the middle of battle. It's like, oh my god, it feels like you're playing Spider-Man. And even, like, without that, he does it. Oh, yeah, like, when you're fighting the demons and he's just like, how many, like, 
like how are you all like have different masks like there can't be that many variations of yeah. it <laughs> or it's, something like that yeah it's amazing um, and then he'll be fighting Fisk's men he's like he's in jail you're not even getting paid why are you doing this <laughs> like it's great and it's just like yeah like the little moments where like there's like a, a scene where he's in Mary Jane's uh, apartment and like he gets a, a tip on his phone from the police scanner app he has and like it cuts to like the camera cuts to Mary Jane like talking so you can't see Peter because he's off screen and then it like cuts to him like halfway out the window and he just freezes as Spider-Man as Spider-Man and she goes did you did you just leave your clothes on the kitchen floor and he goes uh and he backs up <laughs> into the kitchen comes out with his clothes in his arms and he goes where do you want them <laughs> it was, and I was just like this is perfect it was so Spider-Man and, and that's what you know People make fun of the IGN articles that say you really feel like Spider-Man. But I'm going to go, because you do. It's, you're supposed to feel like Spider-Man. Web swinging yeah. through the city is amazing. It's great. What I think this game does better than making you feel like Spider-Man is writing Spider-Man well. Yeah. Like, the entire story for this game is so fucking well written. I have played, like, Nick and I both love superheroes. It's no secret. And, and I've played a lot of superhero games. The, probably the best before this was the Arkham series. Yeah. Because those games are good. Those, those games are, are really good. They, they set a precedent they, that basically all superhero games going forward would be like this. Which is true. The game plays a lot like Arkham. But this game, that game makes you feel like Batman, but the story is there with Batman interacting with it. This story is... Of Spider-Man. Yes. And like just Spider-Man. It's just so good. <laughs> I, I like finished it and I went, I need more. Right. And then about the season pass. Um, because I, I want more. No, yeah, I do too. It's great. Like I, I'll, I'm fine buying DLC, especially if like it's more content for this game. Because I know the first one you is more Felicia. Yeah. Because that was a cool kind of. Yeah, there wasn't that much with her. There wasn't a lot with her, but it was very Riddler-esque. Where, like, yeah. you gotta find these cameras all over the city and take a picture of the cat that's hiding somewhere in the frame. And then, like, after that, once it's finally done, you found my secret hideout. Yeah. Yeah, I'm down. No, always down for more. Like, it was just so good. Like, just the whole, like, Doc Ock thing at the end where he's, like, on the table, like, immobilized, yeah. and he's, like having a conversation with Peter and you could just see like how hurt Peter was how over the whole emotionally thing. fucking distraught he was because he wants to like save this person who he looks up to but like this person just tried to fucking destroy the city yeah so like as Spider-Man he probably shouldn't help this person yeah it's just like that in the uh like whether or not to give the cure to fucking oh my god yeah his, he's like his aunt yeah aunt, aunt may's dying from a disease that's accidentally spread and, and like he's like basically they needed that that cure he could cure aunt may but then they'd be out of it right so they couldn't replicate it like they didn't have the time to replicate it and give it to aunt may so we could just give the cure to aunt may or give it to them to replicate it and he almost puts it in and he's like i can't do it yeah and then, like, she admits that she knew he was Spider-Man, too. And I'm just like, my fucking heart. Because, <laughs> yeah, like, Spider-Man sits down, and Aunt May goes, oh, Peter, take the mask off. Yeah, well, he sits down, and she goes, you're going to be okay, ma'am. Yeah. And he goes, and she goes, I want to see my nephew. Yeah, and then he takes the mask off, going, 
you knew? I was just like, my heart can only take so much. I know. Uh, it's so fucking good. It's they they wrote the characters for this so well, and the voice actors were great. That like this is how I picture Peter Parker. Like I think Tom Holland does an incredible job as Peter Parker in high school. Yeah, this is uh, post college. This is post college Peter Parker. Peter Parker around our age, weirdly enough. Um, but he Tom Holland does an incredible job of a high school Spider Man. Tom Holland is the actor who plays him in the current movies. But I feel like this is how I've always seen Peter Parker. And it's perfect. Yeah, it's really good. Um, and now we're going to talk about suits, because if you know anything about me, I really like changing my character's appearance in games. I love alternate costumes. And none of them are behind a paywall in this game so far. Uh, they're adding more with DLCs, but like they're with the DLC pack. There's not like skin pack number one. Yeah. It's like. If you get the heist DLC that's coming out, oh, like the Sam Raimi costume is going to be in it. Like, I was just like, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm going to get the DLC anyway because I want more story, but like new, new costume is going to be cool. Um, but now that I have them all locked, I exclusively use Last Stand Spider-Man because I love that fucking story arc. Uh, but I also pre-ordered the game. So I spent most of the game playing a Spider-Punk and uh, I loved it because it reflected in cutscenes. Yeah, it's like little things like that. Like I was playing like towards the end of the game and his suit gets really dirty at one point. Like the pet the pegs on his spider punk mohawk were dirty. Like the amount of detail they put into this is absurd and I love it. Yeah. Um and I know you turned it off cuz you didn't like it. Cuz it triggered me. But the the J Jonah Jameson stuff would uh he would talk about things you did. So uh, there was a time where I was wearing the punk suit and then uh, he went on his, his podcast and was like, Spider-Man's running around in a punk outfit. Like, <laughs> what, what fucking time period are we in? Yeah, exactly. And he's just going off. It was like, just fucking great. And then there's like... I wonder what he says about the last stand. I don't know. I don't think I heard him say anything about that. But there's just like, even about like missions you do, like there's a mission where you have to get uh, pigeons. Oh my God. And, uh, and he just goes off about like, Spider-Man's going around the city capturing pigeons. He's like, he's like, we always thought he was a a man with the powers of a spider. What if he's a spider with the powers of a man eating pigeons? <laughs> What's next? He's gonna eat humans. Yeah, exactly. It was just fucking outrageous. Oh, it's so great. The the game is a must-have and the, for fucking anyone. The combat feels fantastic. It, it's so much fun to just flip around and fucking. Let me, Stay in the air indefinitely. Yeah, so I was talking to my brother about it. My brother's away at college and triggered that he can't play this game. So I was texting my brother about how cool it was because I'm such a shitty older brother. Yeah. Uh, and I want to... Where's the um, text I sent him? Uh, earlier, I punched a thug off the ground, webbed myself to him to punch him in the air, dodged a bullet into a wall, which I clung to, then jumped off of onto the guy who shot me. It, like It's like... So Spider-Man. Yeah. That is just like, you know, you're, you, you punch somebody up into the air, do a combo on him, knock him down, pull somebody else up, punch him, dodge a rocket midair, then grab that rocket, yeah, throw it at someone. Grab it with the webs and throw it at someone. And throw it at someone. So fucking good. It feels right. It, it's, I've, I've played a bunch of Spider-Man games in my life and I love the open world Spider-Man games. You got games like Spider-Man 2 for the PS2, Ultimate Spider-Man for the PS2. 
even like the original PS1 Amazing Spider-Man game I played a fuckload of. Uh, I knew the cheat code that made uh, Ghost Rider show up. That's all I remember about it <laughs> off the top of my head. And the first level. I can get you through the entire fucking first level for that game, no problem. But this is the first game that I went. This not only feels like a Spider-Man game, this feels like a comic book. And that's, I think, what we need more of in games. It felt like a very good comic book Spider-Man story, which is great. It's, it's a good game. It's a good game. Between I, that... I, I need more Spider-Cop. Between Spider-Cop and uh, Dad of Boy. <laughs> Dad I'm of not Boy. not sure which fucking game is better this year. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, I was thinking the same thing. Like, when we're going to eventually do our, our review of 2018. And this is, by the way, ignoring the fact that Smash Bros. hasn't come out yet. Yeah. Like... I mean, I don't know. I don't know if Smash Bros. would beat it, but From, it's either gonna be right now. It's either God of War or fucking Spider Man. Spider Man, and like, like fucking good on you, Sony. I don't know which one, <laughs> like, but um, cause, cause, like you, if you put a gun to my head and said which one's better, I, I would go, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know. But they were both amazing. Yeah. Well, one of them was amazing. One of them was mythic. <laughs> I hate myself a little bit. Anyway, now that we've gushed about Spider-Man all day, I have so many other things we could talk about, but we could just talk about them in private. Like, yeah. we could fucking literally be here for hours. Yeah, we could. Um, so, uh, check us out on social media. We are on both Instagram and Twitter at Navi underscore Tales. Again, that is at Navi underscore Tales. Send us pictures of your Spidey suits. Uh, until next time, we'll see you then. Bye. Love you. You know, I just thought of that was really surprising. But there's no black Spider-Man. I've heard theories why. Uh, I'm sure because fucking we didn't deal with Venom. Because we didn't deal with Venom, and they're probably going to put Venom in another game. Leaving this area, he hears a woman speaking cryptically and insanely to herself named Marta, who's the enforcer for the cult leader. The cult. Mm. Yet Blake hides in the confusion upon hearing someone coming. Confessional. That matters. Oh, yeah. Josiah reluctantly reveals that Lynn was the mistake was mm. while trying to molest Blake in a cave. No. So he gets off and just wants to hang out with him and said, um, fuck. They're found by Father uh, Loudermilch. Loudermilch? I believe oh, that's how they said Milch. it. Loudermilch? There's an L. Blake soon comes to a door. Blake soon comes to a door that opens to, what the fuck did I type?